0: We have been talking about the power that is in the name of Jesus. And this week is week number five and three, nine, right? This is our ninth week talking about the power in the name of Jesus. Everybody has notes? If not, just you can follow up with us um, from the Bibles. But uh, this is week number nine talking about the power that we have in the name of Jesus. We spent the first three weeks talking about salvation in the name of Jesus. Three different scriptures we quoted. Nancy, you want to kick things off? First thing was Matthew 1. 21. You, 21. 21. That's, uh, that is, uh, no, that's what we have been talking about lately. Matthew 1 was, you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but you're doing great. Uh, and then we talked about what was the following week? Romans, right? 10, 13 was that the following week, and we said that um, whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's the week number two. Week number three, we spoke from Acts chapter four, right? When Peter said, For there is no other name is given among men by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. And then we spent five weeks after that just uh, trying to break down that passage in Philippians chapter 2. When Paul uh, spoke about Jesus who was in the very nature of God, came down as a slave, went to the cross for us. And then God has lifted him up. How? That he has given him the name that is above every name. So that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. All right, today we're going to talk about praying in the name of Jesus, praying in the name of Jesus. So um, if you have your notes, look in it with me. If you don't, open your Bibles. We're going to look at three different times in the book of John, three different times in the book of John, when Jesus said the phrase, ask in my name, that's three different incidences. In these three different incidences, Jesus mentioned six times the phrase, ask in my name. Amen? So let's read them together and then we're going to try to uh, dig into it um, and just try to understand what he was talking about. The first time was in John 14, 13 and 14. This is what Jesus says: said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14. You may ask me, right, for anything in my name and I will do it. Amen. The very following chapter, different incidences. Now Jesus is talking again to his disciples and he said in John fifteen sixteen, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appoint you so that you might go. You can, you can read it with me, We will good. And bear fruit, fruit that will last, or your fruit shall remain. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And then the following chapter, Jesus also said in John 16, 23 to 26, In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Verily, very truly, verily, verily, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And then if you skip to verse 26... In that day, you will ask in my name, and I am not saying that I will ask the Father in your behalf. I just wanted to point that out as well. All right, so pop quiz. I want want you to look deeply in these three different passages, because the very first passage in, in John 14 is a little bit different than John 15 and John 16. Without reading the next couple of lines, can you help me out here? Can you try to figure out what's the difference between John 14, that incidence in John 14, versus John 15 and 16? All right, I'll help you out, unless you already read it. In John 15 and in John 16, Jesus is saying that you ask anything in my name to the Father, right? You see that? Verse Uh, John 15, the Father will give you anything you ask in my name. But John 14 is a little bit different. Because Jesus didn't say that you're going to ask the Father. He said you ask what? Me." Me. And in John 14, Jesus didn't say that the Father will give you what you ask in my name. But he said, I will give you what you ask in my name. You see the difference, right? So because of that... We're going to put John 14 on the side. We're going to talk about it next week because it's a little bit different. We'll discuss that next week. But this week, we're going to only focus on these two passages in John 15 and John 16. All right. And in these two passages, Jesus is saying, you can ask the Father anything in my name and he will do it. Amen. Pop quiz again. Ask the Father. What is that called in one word? Praying. Praying right. Simple. Simple. When you ask the Father, when you talk to the Father in Jesus' name, that's called prayer, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Prayer or praying in Jesus' name. Let's talk about these two uh, different verses. John 15, 16. Let's look into it again. Jesus said this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Why? Why did Jesus choose Cami or Barb or Justina or Mike or any one of us? Here it is. Do you know why? For two reasons. So that... Number one, you might go and bear fruit, and that your fruit shall remain, and so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Right? So these two phrases are almost parallel to each other, kind of like, it's the same thing. It's the same point, but Jesus is saying it differently. Okay? So let's try to dig into this a little bit more. Jesus said that he has appointed us, the very first phrase, that we might what? Let's just take the first word, that we might go, right? Did Jesus say, I have appointed you to live a good moral Christian life? No. No. I have appointed you to minister in your local churches. Did he say that? No. I have appointed you so you can build my church and make it so nice and pretty for me when I come back, right? Go, that's exactly, we're just at the first word right now, he said, I have appointed you that you may go, that's the only, that's the purpose, why did Jesus choose every one of us to be a child of God, why he has appointed us that we may not stay, go, right, this is his desire, this is his purpose for each one of us that we go outside to the world and not only that but bear fruit. He is meaning for us when we go out that we actually see people getting saved. Amen? Amen. That's what the verse say, right? Amen. He didn't say, I want you to go tell them if they listen, that's cool. If they don't, they don't. That's fine. You have, you know, this is, you have fulfilled your purpose. No, no, no. The Jesus' purpose is not just to deliver for us, It's not just to deliver the message. His purpose is for us to see the message bearing fruit. Do you see that? It's his plan for, for you, for every one of us to actually see people's lives being transformed. This is what he wants us to do. This is his purpose. And it's not just fruit, but it's fruit that lasts. It's fruit that remains, right? So I go out and I witness, and I have a lot of people who... I ask them, do you want to receive Jesus or do you want to repent and come to Jesus? Yes, I want to. And a week or two later, you try to drag them to church to see if they're reading the Bible or anything and they're nowhere to be found. I tell you one thing, this is not Jesus' purpose for my life. Amen? His purpose for my life is not just to see temporary fruit or to see, uh, you know, some interest or some emotional interest. It's his plan for my life that my, the fruit that I can see, the people that come to find him should... Remain, last for all eternity. Amen? Can Jesus be any clearer than that? So this is what he has appointed each one of us to do. To go. To bear fruit, and this fruit should remain. Oh, you say, oh, wait, wait, wait. Why do you even think that he's here talking about ministry? Maybe he's just talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's his, uh, he, his purpose for us is that we show the fruit of the Holy Spirit and live a good, moral Christian life. What, why are you talking ministry here? You know why? Because he said, I have appointed you to do what? To go. And the result of going is... Bearing fruit, right? If Jesus was talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and living a good moral Christian life, then there's no need for us to go, right? You don't need to go anywhere, right? But the very fact that he's saying, go and bear fruit, he's talking about ministry, he's talking about particularly evangelism. This is how I look at it. That whatever we do, that it will bear fruit that lasts and the kingdom of God will be impacted forever, amen? Well, but we don't see that. Well, it's simple. If we don't see it, then we need to change. Our our life experience Need to change to match the word of God. Amen? We need to pray and fast till we see the very fulfillment of the very words of Christ in our lives. And I'm, Not preaching to you, I'm talking about myself too, okay? I am in the same boat like everybody else, all right? So we just need to pray and fast, but we do pray and fast and we don't see people getting saved, then we need to pray longer and fast, fast longer and pray harder. And then if we don't see fruit, then guess what? We need to pray even harder and fast even longer. And we keep on pushing on God till we see that His word is fulfilled in our lives, amen? Am I saying that every single Christian should see lives being transformed and see people coming into the kingdom of God? I'm not saying it, Jesus saying it, right? It's his reason for, it. yes, I'm saying it, but I'm saying it from him. It's his reason for every single one of us. He didn't say, I have appointed pastors and ministers and evangelists to go out and bear fruit. Did he say that? He's talking to his disciples. Are you a disciple? If you're a disciple, then this applies to you. Amen? It's his purpose for you to see people coming into the kingdom of God and being transformed for all eternity. Not just for a week or two and never come back to church or has anything to do with God. Amen? Well, but how about this? People can argue and say, trying to tell me that every Christian should see salvation. Yes, absolutely. And make disciples. Yes, absolutely. I was actually thinking about that the other day. Jesus told Peter this. Follow me and I will make you fishers of man. That's his promise, right? If you follow me, then my promise is I will make you fishers of men, right? And now we have his purpose. I have appointed you to go and bear fruit and your fruit should last. So it's his promise that we'll see people getting saved. It's his purpose that we see people getting saved. And then in Matthew 28, he said, go and Make disciples. Make disciples mean make disciples, not just spread the word. Make disciples means spread the word that will result in people coming to the kingdom of God and become disciples. Amen? So that's his command. Think about it. It's his promise. It's his purpose. It's his command that every single Christian should see lives being transformed for the sake of eternity. Amen? So we need to change our lives to match that. Every single one of us, including myself. Amen? You will, might argue and say, well, how about, wait a minute. How about those who were faithful and witnessing and praying and they have never seen fruit? How about these people? Let's just think about Hudson Taylor, for example. He's a great man of God, a missionary who would spend hours every day interceding for China and he never seen much fruit. How about him? How is that fitting in what we were just saying? Right? Because the guy was faithful. He prayed. He witnessed. He just never seen fruit. Do you want to hear my answer to that? All right? When we become as dedicated to to evangelism and interceding for the lost as Hudson Taylor, we will revisit the issue. Amen? Good enough? I just found my personal experience, a lot of Christians use these people as, oh they never see, see fruit, therefore it's okay for me to be lazy and not confront the issue that I'm having because it's okay not to see fruit. No, it is not okay not to see fruit in our lives, amen? It's Jesus' promise, it's his purpose, it's his command that we bear fruit and this fruit should last for all eternity, amen? Now, in that context, in that context, Jesus said after that, And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Amen? So in that context, Jesus is giving each one of us a blank check. He said, here's a blank check to God. You can do whatever you want as long as you are in that context of going out, evangelizing, making disciples, and bearing eternal fruit. Amen? Amen? So that is the first incidence that Jesus is telling us that we can have whatever we ask the Father in his name. So if we are actively building God's kingdom, you have, we have good news here. We have a blank check from the Savior himself that whatever, what? Whatever, right? What is whatever means? Anything. Anything, right? Is there any limits? Did Jesus put any caps on what we can ask God when we're going out and making disciples? Is there any caps in the verse? He said, whatever. And whatever means, whatever. Anything, whatever it is, supernatural, natural, miracles, signs and wonders, healing. Whatever you ask the Father, in the context of making disciples in my name, the Father might do it. Jesus said, right? Yeah, and then he said, whatever you ask in my name, the Father might do it or might give to you. Did he say that? will give you, not might give you, He will give you. There is no question about God's doing His part. The question is, will we do our part? Amen? Amen? And that's what bugs me sometimes about people saying, oh, it's okay not to see fruit. It's okay to be faithful and it's okay not to see results. Because when people say that, that's for me that that, the climax of the Christian rhetoric is like you're telling me you are faithful and God isn't. You're telling me you are praying and you're interceding and you're seeking the face of God according to his promise. And just God is not faithful enough to come through for his word. That's what, that's the message pretty much, right? I'm doing what I need to, is God is not coming through according to his word. Amen? This is not the Bible. This is not the God that we worship. Let me just close with that verse, not here. God said, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land, right? So there's two things here. If my people pray, I will heal. Where is that doubt here? Is it in God doing his part or us doing our part? Where where is the part that's kind of questionable if it's going to happen or not? And where is the part that says, oh, no question about this going to happen? Our part is the doubtful part. If you pray, that means you might not do it, but if you actually get to do it, then God didn't say, I might listen. He said, I will heal your land. I will come through for you. His part is solid. The question, the doubt is on our part. He's the faithful. The, The question about who's faithful to do their part of the deal falls on us, not on him. Amen? And the good news is he has given us a blank check. Go, evangelize, and whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I have been praying this verse so much this week. It just When I was studying I was like, man, this is so good. Amen? So let's just hold Jesus accountable to his word. Amen? Now the second part is in John 16, when Jesus mentioned that we can pray in his name. And he said, Verse 23 to 26. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Verse 26. In that day, you will ask, um, you will ask in my name. I will not. I'm not saying that I will, not, I will ask the Father on your behalf. So what is Jesus talking about here? Let's break down that passage phrase by phrase and try to see what is it that Jesus is saying here about asking in his name. Well, he starts verse 26, uh, 23 by saying, in that day, right? What day? What is he talking about? Well, let's go back a little bit so we can know what day is he referring to. Verse 16, I just picked and choose parts that fits what we're trying to get to here. Verse 16, Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. Okay, so he's talking about his death and departure from earth, right? And then after a while, after a little while, you will see me. Are we clear what he's talking about here? He's talking about, I'm going to die. You're not going to see me no more. But then after I'm resurrected, you will see me. Okay, so in a little while, you're not going to see me. But then after that, you will see me. Verse 19. And he said, are you, asking, um, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me? No more. And then after a little while you will see me. So verse 19, apparently, what he said in verse 16 kind of didn't make sense to the disciples. So what's going on? So Jesus is calling them out on that. And he said in verse 20, very truly I say to you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoice. That's during the crucifix, right? When he was being crucified. And leaving you're weeping and mourning, but the world is rejoicing. You will grieve, and your grief will turn into joy when with the resurrection, right? When Jesus is resurrected. So with you, so with you, now is your time, to, um, time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice. You will, you will grieve when I depart, but when I see you again, you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Amen. And verse 23, that's how he started saying, In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. So what day is Jesus referring to? He's referring to the day in which he is not going to be physically present with his disciples, but rather it's when the Holy Spirit is going to come down and the church will start, right? That's what he's talking about in that context. You will see no more, me no more. You're going to be grieved. But after that, you will see me when I'm resurrected, when this whole uh, earthly ministry is over. And then you will rejoice. And in that day, that, that day that marks the starting of that period, the period of the grace uh, of the church, you will ask anything in my name and the Father will do it. Amen. So you will no longer, you will no longer ask me anything. What is Jesus talking about here? talking about asking me in person. Because remember, he's physically present with them at that time. So he's saying, in that day, when I'm resurrected and ascended to heaven, you're not going to talk to me one-on-one in person the way you're doing it right now. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything in person. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So Jesus is saying, in that day that starts with Pentecost or the church age or whatever, it's not going to be... I am physically present, but I'm going to give you a new advantage that from that day forward, during the church time, now you have direct access to the Father, that you can ask Him anything. You don't need me anymore to be, like if you have questions about God, you don't have to come to me and physically ask me, what, what, what does that mean? You can just ask God right away, but in Jesus' name what does that mean? Amen? So you don't have to ask me in person, but you will have direct access to God through my name. And then says said, until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive. What is he referring to here? When he says, until now, he's not saying, you know, you need to step it up and you need to pray a little bit more. He's saying, until now, that's in contrast to in that day. Okay, you follow me? So he's saying, until this point of history, you did not have that advantage of asking the Father in my name. Because now I'm physically present. Until now, you didn't have access to that advantage. Until now, you have not asked anything in my name. Because that will happen in that day. You guys follow what he's saying? That will happen in that day. Until now, you have not asked me anything. And then he said in that day, ask. And what's going to happen was the promise you will receive. Again, there's no question about God doing his part. The question if we ask or not, right? The, the, the the problem can lay on us, not on God doing his part. And then he said, when you ask and you will receive, your joy will be full. Your joy will be complete. Amen? And then verse 26. What is Jesus talking about here? He said, um, in that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. What is Jesus talking about here? Obviously, he's not talking about, he's saying, he's not saying, I'm not going to intercede for you. Right? Obviously, we know that Jesus is at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And because of that, we can have eternal life. So what is he talking about when he said, I will not ask the Father uh, on your behalf? Pretty much he's saying that when, in the context again, when you pray to God in my name, I don't need to intercede at that point so that your prayer will be answered. But whatever you ask God in my name, you're going to have that direct connection with the Father that you don't need me in it anymore. Amen? I mean, he's obviously at the right hand of God interceding for our sins, interceding for us. For all eternity, there is no question about that. But only when it comes to us praying, only when it comes to us asking in his name, it doesn't need to get in the middle no more because we have that new privilege to pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. You get it? Go back or you got all right. So that is that, that what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It's a new privilege that only that the believers in the New Testament under the New Covenant have. That they have direct access to God the Father through the name of Jesus. So what does that mean? Praying in Jesus' name. Well, first of all, to back off here a little bit. Jesus didn't say, you ask in Jesus' name, right? He said, in my name, right? He didn't give us specifically what name he's talking about, right? But... Obviously, simple, face value, if you read it face value, the disciples knew him as Jesus, right? If you call, if, if, if Peter want to ask him to come over for dinner, he will say, Jesus, what? Come over, right? So this is the name that the disciples knew him by, Jesus. So when Jesus say, if you ask in my name, I mean, face value, first thing, first thought comes to the disciples' mind is? Jesus, right? It's not going to be Lord or Christ or Son of God or anything like that. Simply Jesus. So Jesus is not saying, is not saying that I'm going to give you a formula of prayer that whenever you pray, you have to conclude it by saying in Jesus name, right? Obviously, this is not how prayer works in the New Testament or even with God at all. So many times Jesus rebuked The Gentiles and the Pharisees for just memorizing the words. And he's saying it's not about the words, it's about the heart. Amen? So obviously Jesus is not giving us wording that we have to use. And it has some magic power. Once we say it, then God will listen to us. Amen? So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? A couple of ways to look at it. In in the Jewish mindset, the name of the person is the actual person. And if you look how in the Old Testament people were named it has a prophecy about their future and incidents related to their birth um, how they look like like Esau he was red because he looked red so they called him red you know so the, the, the name is an indication of the nature of the person or how they hope God will deal with that person and in the same way when Jesus says you pray in my name it means you pray in my person it's like you're praying in my sphere in a way like we pray in the sphere of his ownership protection presence power, glory, everything that Jesus is, in that atmosphere of who he is, we can access the Father and ask him for anything in Jesus name, amen now, a second way of looking at it, it's very similar as well is this. To pray in the name of Jesus is to pray in his authority. It's because of what Jesus has made us as a children of God. Now we can access the Father in his name. It's because of him, because of what he has done, because what he has made us that we can ask in his name. Does that make sense? So like, if you remember what we talked about a few weeks ago, how in Ephesians chapter 2, he said that you who are once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. It's because of Jesus, who he is, what he has done, that we have been transformed. And because of that, his, who he is, his authority, what he has made us, we have bold access to the presence of God through the name of Jesus when we can ask whatever we want and God will grant it to us, granted that we're asking for his glory. Amen? Does that make sense? Do you guys see the power that we have in Jesus' name? This is just, think about this. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Amen? Just think about that. Let's pray.